0: Hey everyone, this is Matt General with 420 Ministries. I'm extremely excited for you to have the chance to listen to this sermon that I got the privilege of being able to teach at one of our Thursday night gatherings. A couple of weeks ago, we felt led as a team to go into an extended uh, couple week long series specifically on what it means to minister to the Lord. So this is uh, week two of our, uh, we're probably gonna be in this place of learning what it means to minister to the Lord for about 12 weeks, so this is week two of that 12-week series. I hope that as you listen to this message, a, a series of things happens to you. You capture a revelation of Jesus's romantic heart for you. You are brought into a revelation of why you are here on this earth, why you were created. And then three, You are brought into a revelation of what it actually means to minister to the Lord and then live out the gospel every day, which is our prime mission and vision within 420. We love you guys. We are praying for you. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged and inspired as you listen to this week's sermon. God bless you. As we're going into this message tonight, um, i reached out to jeff and clay uh, it's been about 2 weeks now of uh, 2 weeks ago of where i just said hey i really want to take like n- no exaggeration 12 weeks and just dive into what it means to minister to jesus because there there've been a lot of times of where uh, brandy and i brandy's my wife we'll be we'll be sitting down having a conversation and she'll say she'll say hey like sometimes you say things and I actually don't even really know what those things mean. Like, I don't, I don't really know what you're referring to. Like, I, I get it up here. But if someone was to come up to me and ask me, like, to explain what that is, she'd be like, oh, well, I don't know. It's like, it's just, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. And, she, and so she's, and I was convicted by that of we as a team are wanting to put language to, when you walk through the door, you see a sign in here that says, to minister to the Lord and live out the gospel every day. And last week, we started a 12-week series on what it means to minister to Jesus. Why is this a priority? Why is this something that we are gathering here on Thursday nights to, to disciple people into actually, what we just got done doing for, for the past hour, that wasn't just like organized songs with an incredibly gifted team. It was practicing the presence of God and practicing ministering to him. And the reason why I say practicing is because when we come into this room on Thursday nights, Jesus is a real person that's in this room. Amen? Like, it's, it's, it's not just, it's, he's not an idea, he's not a mindset, he is, he, he's not a feeling. He touches on each one of those things, but he's a person that's in the room. There's a capacity to be aware of him or not be aware of him. There's a capacity to touch him and, and 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 let yourself be touched by him, but then there's also a capacity to miss him entirely. And it's a practice of the heart. It's a practice of our lives to learn, not just going through the motions and having this be a service, but coming in here and learning what it means to touch Jesus and be touched by him, to minister to his heart. And last week, we specifically learned and talked about that when we say minister to the Lord, what that is essentially meaning is it just means to love him well. To love him well. We went through. If you want to re-listen to that message, we, uh, sincerely, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that. We laid out a lot of scripture behind what does this phrase mean? Why is this biblical? Why do we believe that this is part of the kingdom? But, um, and I just want to challenge you guys tonight. Have there ever been times, though, that you come into a room like this, you come into a setting like this, and say you're next to someone that is just, maybe they're, they're laughing, maybe they're crying, maybe they're on their face, maybe they're on their knees, maybe they're just standing there, but they're, they're doing something that lends itself to the fact of, whoa, this, this person is encountering Jesus right now. This person is having a legitimate encounter. And then maybe you have another person that's sitting right next to them and they're just like, like thinking about groceries or whatever. Like they're thinking about their schedule after they leave the evening, their, their, their day that they're getting ready to go into tomorrow. How is it possible that there can be a king in the room named Jesus, one person can encounter him and the other person can miss him either by a mile or maybe just, like, maybe just by a little bit, but how is it possible that the Lord can be in the room and there will be someone that encounters him and there will be someone that just, you just miss him entirely? And there was, um, there's, there's a quote that challenges me on a, on a regular basis said by a guy named A.W. Tozer, and, and I don't know it word for word, but he talks about that if the presence of the Holy Spirit was removed from the earth today, was, and like just, just presence of Holy Spirit is removed from the earth today, half of what's going on in our, in our Western culture of what we have created today, we, we would probably not even notice it. I'll just be real with you guys. That thought freaks me out to no end because there's a reverence that's attached to that in knowing, Jesus, if you moved out of my life, if I did not have the sensibility, the tangibility, the perceptibility of your, of your presence I wanna know within the first 60 seconds that something's wrong, something is off. Like I'm, I'm, I'm missing him, there's no touch, there's, there's, there's no tenderness, there's, there's, no, there's no perceived, there's no heard voice. When I open this, it's like there's nothing there. Like something's wrong, something is not right. I don't want it to be hours, days, weeks, or months. I want it to be in that moment, something is not right. And I think that when we are talking about ministering to the Lord and giving Him what He deserves, loving Him well, and many of you in here are familiar with this story, and we're going to get into it in a minute. It's not going to be where we land for the whole night, but in Scripture, we see this story between Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Mary was concerned about sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was concerned about doing things for the Lord, but it's interesting Martha, she knew how to get Jesus into the house, but Mary knew how to keep her. Mary knew how to keep him. You're catching what I'm saying? Martha knew how to get him into the house, prepared a meal, great acts of service for him. But Mary was the only one that kept him there. the, The scripture never lays out for us that Jesus was engaging with what Martha was doing for him. It doesn't say that he wasn't acknowledging it. But what he was responding to was the acts of ministry that Mary was doing to the Lord. And that's what was keeping him engaged in the room. And and when we talk about practicing the presence, we're talking about learning of living a life of when Jesus comes into the room or you wake up in the morning and you go to be with the Lord, whether you're a morning person, an afternoon person, a night person, whatever this looks like for you, you come into the room and there's not mental gymnastics that I'm doing to try to get to him. There's not, I'm, I'm not um, trying to um, revisit the things maybe wrong that I've done that week of like the things that's maybe like keeping me from him, it's I come in and there's a softness and tenderness of heart of where he is touched immediately and I am touched by him immediately. And Jesus sees my heart in that moment as a place that is soft and tender to come in and be with and speak into. And I think that that comes by practicing of learning to be with him and and not learning to just have a life of where I've done things for him, but I know how to intimately touch him and be engaged with him. Is this, are you guys, so so far, are we all on the same page right now and is this making sense? When you are friends with someone long enough, you, you begin to learn their likes, their dislikes, how they want to spend time with you, how they don't want to spend time with you, what they want to talk about, what they don't want to talk about. That is a learned thing that you've done with that person through quality time, through the the way that you have spent to get to know that person. The primary way that we satisfy the Lord's heart is not just through the things that we do for him. All that that proves is that you know how to be obedient. But obedience is the byproduct of a heart that is in love with him, And a heart that is in love with him is easily obedient and easily yielded to him. But a heart that is not in love with the Lord but then does things for him, all that that is is just a a really casual form of slavery (laughs) of where you know how to do things for him whether it's to keep him impressed with you or to think that, and, and I'm not saying that the Lord does not want our acts of service. We're doing a, a, an outreach here with New Direction literally next weekend because that is the part of our vision, which is, and living out the gospel every day. There's testimonies. I could stand up here probably for the next section of this teaching portion and just give you testimonies of outreaches and, and, and the living out the gospel every day part. But there's a reason why It's to minister to the Lord first because a heart that is not satisfied with the Lord will always seek to do the things for the Lord instead of actually knowing him because we are more concerned with being used by God than being loved by God. And a heart that is more concerned about being used by God than being loved by God is ultimately rooted in idolatry of self. Because what you're essentially saying is, I don't really know how to be with you. This whole thing is kind of awkward. I'll just do stuff for you. But my heart is cold and my relationship with you is wide, but it's not deep. Because there's no intimacy that's been forged in secret where no one was looking. Because it's extremely easy to show up to a service project it's extremely easy to get in a room together with creative and driven individuals and put together something for a city or for a region. It's like, like honestly, those are actually all like very easy things. There's people that don't even love the Lord that do it all the time. There, there's whole humanitarian like, organizations that exist to do things like that. Is there anything wrong with those things? No, not like literally not at all. But I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about your hearts in this moment with you. I can do all the things in the world for the king and never touch him and never know him. That's the reason why the word of God says it is written that there will be many that come to him and say, Lord, did we not do all these things? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I never intimately was involved in your life. I, 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 I had your lips, I had your hands, but I did not have your heart. Mary teaches us, Mary of Bethany teaches us that sitting at the feet of Jesus is more important than being the feet of Jesus any day of the week. Does that make sense when I say that? I'm not saying not important. I'm just saying more important. If you would, uh, go with me to Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Matthew 26. And we're actually, we're going to be, um, we're going to be reading the same story tonight, just in three different accounts. I'm going to explain why we're doing that. Um, I'll I'll explain you why it is that we're going about doing it this way. Uh, For me, uh, the account that's in Luke is my favorite. It's the most detailed. It's the most descriptive. But um, there's something that I feel like the Lord has for us in each of these accounts. But um, we're in Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13. Read with me here. Uh, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. Poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, Aware of what it is that they're thinking in their heads. He was aware of what they were meditating on. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, a couple of things. when we go over to John 12, 1 through11 and Luke 7:36 through50, we see the same account here. Same story, just discussed in different detail. And Matthew 26 is the only account written that says Mary poured her offering out over his head and not her feet. I got really confused by that when I was reading that. It's the only one. It, it specifically says head and not feet. Luke says his feet. John says his feet. And part of me, and like honestly, like I know this seems, I was literally reading this today and I'm thinking about like in full seriousness how awkward this must be. Imagine you're sitting at a dinner party and someone that at this point in time And this isn't being crude. This is just being honest. A woman that in that time and day, for, for all intents and purposes, is a modern day porn star, walks into a dinner party of highly esteemed officials with probably the only thing that she had of her life of value and dumps it on the son of God's head in a room full of highly respected people. And then Jesus is just sitting there with oil, perfume, mixed stuff dripping from his head. Like... Really, you really need to think about like, this as an actual event that happened like, and just think about that moment. And we're concerned to come into a gathering, jump, kneel, shout, clap, act a fool for Jesus because we don't wanna offend the person next to you. Like, I read this and I'm like, okay, she's setting the bar pretty high there. Like, I don't, like, like we might as well as, like, I don't know. Do something, like do something crazy. Because this woman's worship was completely unashamed of who was around her. Like she, her, her ministry to the Lord was I do not care who you are. I do not care who you are. I do not care who you are. I care and I am and infatuated with who this man is in front of me. I will give him everything that I have. And what's interesting is when the word says that she poured her offering out on his head. That is a Greek word that means kephale. Kephale. Everyone in here say kephale. This word literally means anything supreme, chief, or prominent. And it also means of a husband in relation to his wife, meaning the head of a household, the head of a home. And then it also means of Christ, the head of Christ, the Lord of the husband And of the church. Or another way to understand this is the cornerstone. That's literally what this word means. So if you look at this, it means a literal natural head, like on a body. But then prophetically and symbolically, it means the husband's head over his bride and church. So this woman comes in and pours her offering over the chief cornerstone so that it covers his whole entire body. And what I think is interesting about that is that when John and Luke specifically say that Mary came in and poured it upon his feet, it's not that he's, he's leaving something out and excluding that like, oh, they did something less than. But I think that Matthew is wanting us to grasp the divinity of Jesus in this moment of what this offering represents when it comes to ministry of the Lord. This woman was doing an act of worship to her husband. And she captured this revelation. And that is why she didn't, it wasn't just the feet that she poured it out upon. It started at his head. And Matthew feels that it's important because it is important for us to recognize that she didn't just anoint his feet. What this is is actually a prophetic act of pointing to who this man actually is. This is the chief cornerstone. This is the God one, the Christ-like one, the Lord who is the husband of his church, Kefale. She poured it out over his kephale. This, lit- this is what this is unpacking for us. And when you come into a room and you are encountering Jesus or not encountering Jesus, the act of ministering to the Lord is the yielding to and the honoring of our marriage with him. Because you are married to him. You are his bride. And us as believers, you have this like Trinitarian set of your identity. You are a friend. You are a son, daughter. And you are his bride. A bride is intimate and deep with him. A friend is fun and shares secrets with him. A son or daughter, everything belongs to them. You fill each one of these roles. This is, this is literally who you are in the spirit and the roles that you get to exist in to the Lord. If we wanted to f- throw a fourth one on there, we could even say that you are a priest. We're gonna get to that in a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm saving that. But we could even say that you are a priest to the Lord. And oftentimes, I think what has crept in so subtly into people's hearts, and, and, I, don't, and, and, I, and I was thinking about this all day today, well, not all day, but for, for a large portion of my day, is the cynicism that comes into our hearts when we walk into church meetings, when we walk into places where people are encountering the Lord, when we walk into a dinner party where a woman is pouring out offering unto the Lord and people begin to criticize what it is that she's doing because they're cynical. She's encountering him, they are missing him. And I think that it's because if, If you recognize that you are married to him for him to woo you into affection and for you to respond to him in a way that describes itself as ministering to the Lord. If you don't recognize that you are married to him to know him and be in love with him, then these types of things will look like foolishness to you. And when I forget the fact that I'm actually married to him, I'm not able to then be wooed by him, which then means I'm not actually able then to learn how to respond to him. And if I'm not able to learn how to respond to him, then I'm gonna really have a hard time actually knowing him. But be, and because I've never taken the time to discover the covenant that I have with him, all of this looks like foolishness and I walk in And I'm skeptical of the person next to me, the person beside me. I'm skeptical of, really, you're just going to gather to, like, worship Jesus and then talk about what that means? Like, yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. (laughs) Because he's a real person in a room. You would never, you would never walk into a room that your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your brother or sister is in. You would never walk into a room and just straight up not acknowledge them. But we do it to the Lord often. Often, And I truly believe that the Lord has a heart with deep set emotions and feelings and longings that have the capacity to be touched by us, that have the capacity to be touched by his people. I mean, like, honestly, just looking at this story, you will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume out on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be, will be remembered and discussed. Go with me to Luke 7, 36 through 50 real quick. I wanna, I wanna point out a little bit more of what, what this is that I'm talking about. In Luke 7, 36 through 50, <clears throat> Jesus says, When I came into the house, you didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. He's referring to Mary. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, they, those have been forgiven. They have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think that when we capture the revelation and when we understand that Jesus came to reveal the Father, first and foremost, Jesus came to reveal the Father, Jesus came to reestablish a marriage covenant that he desires to have with you and I. And there's a consistent cry in the Father's heart that is inviting us into the enjoyment and the experience and the fulfillment of that covenant. And he died and rose again to prove that and to invite you into that. But when I'm cynical or I'm skeptical... Or I just have a chip on my shoulder or I have a bad attitude at things. It's oftentimes because I have become the keeper of my own heart rather than yielding it and surrendering it to the one that's called to hold it. Your heart is an extremely fragile thing, extremely fragile thing and even if you think even if you you even if you say like oh well you don't know the background that i came from you don't know the way that i was raised and that's totally fine i'm not talking about the type of thick skin that you have in the natural i'm talking about your spiritual heart that you have been given charge over it is an extremely fragile thing the book of proverbs mentions multiple times for us to watch over our hearts for from it flow the issues of life And if there's been moments of where you've come into services and you've come into gatherings like this and you're watching people encounter Jesus, and trust me, like I, I, have, I have been there and I, I have been there more times than what I even care to confess or to admit because I was way too high and I was not going low enough. And oftentimes when we come into a time to be with Jesus, whether it's privately or publicly, the degree that I encounter him is the degree that I let myself go into him. Not needing answers, not even, like honestly, not even needing direction, not needing confirmation on things, but just, just needing him. Because we're talking about him as a person right now. I'm not saying that he's not gonna give confirmation to visions, plans, and dreams and, 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 and give direction. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm coming in for him. What kept Jesus in the room of this dinner party was Mary's all out, laid down love and affection and adoration for the one that was in the room, not what he could, not what she could get from him. He's at a dinner party where everyone else is asking questions. Everyone else is wanting to know strategies. Everyone else is wanting to know plans. Everyone else is wanting to entertain him. She's simply wanting to love him. I don't care what you do for me. I don't care what you give me. If I get you and if I get you in your personhood, that is not just enough for me. It fills and satisfies me to the point of overflow. We minister to the Lord. Because the Lord has an unbelievably opened and vulnerable heart to his bride that calls us to come to him and know him. Does this make sense when I'm saying this? I'm moving slow through this tonight specifically because it's too important to rush over and this is too important to, like, to, to not get and to just have it be another message. I want to point this out, that I think that the cycle of cynicism, when we become cynical individuals, I think this happens in three things. I sometimes think that it's a combination of these three things, and sometimes I think it could just be one of these things. Either way, if there's someone that's cynical or you are wrestling with cynicism, I would like to suggest to you tonight that it is one of these three things. First and foremost, it's just the loss of childlikeness. Clay was pointing that out this week. We were in a meeting and he said, honestly, I just think that the cause of cynicism, it's just, it's the loss of childlikeness. Number two, lack of constant surrender to the Lord. A, or I would also say a lack of a lifestyle of repentance. I want to point this out for a minute. The word repentance is not a bad word. And the word repentance is not just a word. Oftentimes we associate it with sin and we associate it with like things that we've done wrong and we talk about, oh, I need to, I need to confess and repent. I've, I've said this before, this is nothing new, but the word repent is a compound word that essentially just means to return to heavenly thinking, re-meaning to turn, pent is where we get the word penthouse, and it's a turning back to the high place of thinking, So repentance is a turning away from a direction that we're going and a changing of what it is that we're thinking about as we're going in that opposite direction. And one of the ways that I think that cynicism sets in is that we begin to become entitled to ourselves of where we think that our bodies are our own, our imaginations are our own, our wills are our own, our actions are our own, and we forget who it is that we belong to. And, and we stop yielding to that. And we stop making room for that. And we stop waiting on the Lord long enough for him to actually satisfy the longing of our hearts. And we stop coming into the room thinking that we have something to offer him. When really all that he wants is you. Put yourself on the altar. He will meet you there every time. But when we get in the place of where this is no longer important to me. Our hearts grow cold and they, go, and they grow hard. And then number three, divorce in the marriage covenant. A bride that is no longer aware of her value and a bride that has lost reverence for her husband, a.k.a. the head of the house, Jesus Christ. Your heart has literally come into a divorce. You no longer know who you are and you have completely forgotten who he is. I think that this is the third way that we enter into cynicism. We no longer see ourselves as a bride... That because of the blood of Jesus, because of the finished work of the cross, we no longer see ourselves having rightful access to the richness and glory of our inheritance in Jesus Christ. So we disqualify ourselves and cut ourselves off from life. And when you cut yourself off from life, it's pretty self-explanatory, you're going to start dying. And when you begin to start dying, especially in the spiritual sense, one of the first places that we go to when we no longer sense connection with the Lord is either service, or we go into things that we can do for him, or we just get really angry and really skeptical because we haven't kept our hearts before him. I really think that it's this simple. I don't, I don't think that it's overcomplicated. I think that the answer is actually very easy and very straightforward. But here, look at something with me right now. we, We read the end of it, but in Luke 7, let's start at 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, Again, this is different from Matthew where it talks about his head was anointed. Now we're talking about his feet being anointed. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. I want to point this out to you that Mary takes her offering, pours it on the feet of Jesus Perfume that I I can probably only imagine smelled amazing, amazing. Her offering, her perfume, is on the feet of Jesus and she's kissing Jesus' feet, honoring him, ministering to him, loving him the way that she deserves, that he deserves. As she's kissing him, her offering is probably getting all over her and she's probably beginning to smell like what it is that she's offering the Lord. So he smells like it, she smells like it, and it's all over them. Because when we come into this place to offer the Lord ourselves, you can't help but run into him. And you can't help come, come at, coming out of that time being connected with him, even if you weren't trying. If you come into the secret place to simply be with him and, that, and that, is, that is your end goal. And I'm not, I'm not talking about feeling sensations, or emotions. Truth needs to teach our feelings and emotions to work for us and not against us. But when I come in and my goal is simply to sit at his feet, kiss his feet, Minister to him. Give him the love that he deserves. You will find him there every time because his feet is the lowest place that you can go. And if water fills the lowest place, let, us, let him find us there. Does that make sense? Oftentimes, my failure to encounter him is a failure of me to not go low enough. I have thoughts about myself that are too high. I have things that I think that I should get from him and deserve from him that he's not interested in talking about. When really all that he wants to do is sit and look, he wants eye contact. I'll never forget the time that I, there was a shifting of a season in my prayer life of where um, I got really frustrated at one point because there were some things that used to happen in a certain way They weren't happening in in, in that specific way. And I remember asking the Lord, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I'm coming in. I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall. Like, what's up with this? Like, what, what what is going on with this? And I was just getting increasingly frustrated. And I'll never forget the day that the Lord decided to speak into that. I heard the Lord say, Matthew, I'm teaching you the love language of quality time. And I'm teaching you the love language of eye contact. And I'm teaching you the love language of of not honoring my voice above me, not honoring my hands above me, not honoring the miracles above me, not honoring the words of knowledge above me, not honoring the salvations above me, but coming into a room, sitting, staring and being satisfied. I'm teaching you the love language of quality time. To minister to the Lord means to learn how to capture his attention and keep his attention and love him out of that place. Can I tell you how unbelievably vulnerable that is? When was the last time you sat down with anyone, with anyone, and had a conversation with, like, I mean, unbroken eye contact without the fact of them being like, dude, you're like weird, why are you like, like, that's a weird thing today. If you were to like just stare at someone and not break eye contact without doing like a little bit of like some casual looking away, you'd be like, dude, this person's weird. It's just like, no, we just have forgotten how to respect each other. But, but it's like, like, that, like that's strange. You would think like, dude, stop staring at me like that. Like, you, I, I honestly wonder how long, what's, what's that movie? I'm like gonna totally butcher this. What's that movie of where um, the guy's like, man, I, this is either gonna, I'm gonna either look like an idiot right now or some of you will know it. The movie of where he's like, congratulations, you've just won yourself 10 seconds of unbroken eye contact. It's with like a, who's, who's the guy, father of the bride, Steve Martin? I'm digging a hole for myself. I'm in so deep right now. <laughs> Steve Martin, the movie, he's like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm gonna, I can't find it. Whatever, there's this movie and, and Steve Martin is in it and his employee like does something really great for him and he's like, congratulations, you've just won yourself 12 seconds of unbroken eye contact. And like, anyway. Good word, good word, Matt. That was, that was, that was really, really something right there. But Anyway. When we have eye contact and attention with the Lord, there's a stillness that has to happen. There's a ceasing from activity. And and there's a heart posture that we come into of where he actually has my attention and my affection and not just my service. If you are... If you're sitting in here tonight, you're listening to this, and there's there's a reason why I'm wanting to move through this as, as slowly as I am, is because when I when I read this passage, and specifically in Luke, I want to I want to continue going on from verse forty right here or uh, thirty nine. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, what was this? What Mary was doing to his feet? He said to himself. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. He perceived the man's thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, concealing concealing their debts." Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, and this is what we read before, but we're gonna go into it again. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. I think it's a sad day when the Lord comes into our midst, especially in a gathering of believers, and we miss him entirely because we were too concerned on the details of the service or even the starting and ending of the service, but the person that it's all about is just missed entirely. And how many times in my own life Have I gone throughout life, gone throughout meetings, gone throughout things, and I've missed the Lord entirely, but I've done all all of these things for him, and I truly believe he's waiting in the secret place at the end of the day, just saying, I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for our eyes to connect. I'm waiting for my chest to not be cold, because you've wandered from where you're called to reside. I wonder when my feet will be warmed again by the offering of your lips and the offering of your eyes. I'm wondering when the marriage covenant that I died and was humiliatingly tortured to reinstate to you, you will actually yield to it and stop working for it. I'm wondering when you will actually remember the gospel that I came to you, not demanding that you come to me, but I became gentle and lowly for you and and have decided to deal with you gently, Hebrews chapter 5. I have made myself accessible to you. I have made myself available to you. I have made myself personable to you. I have gone through everything that you have ever gone through so that you could know me, so that there would be no misunderstanding, no missed expectations, no desire that you have that I have never been, no struggle that you have walked through that I have not endured. No one is like King Jesus to ever become so personal in the way that, he's, that he has become personal to us. If you're cynical in this room tonight or, you're, or honestly, just be real, and your heart has just grown cold, or even if you're not in that place, but you're like, dear Lord, I don't ever want to get to that place. I don't ever want to get there. You first need to realize We cannot help ourselves if we are in this place. You can't. And I think that when we confess our weakness and our brokenness and our dependency to Jesus, we employ his strength. We employ him as a good father. We employ his character at the confession of our weakness. I think that the downfall, not the discreditation, but the downfall of self hope, of self help outside of the cross of Jesus is pointing to you to be self sufficient in your own efforts. That is idolatry, and it will fail every time. It may last for a minute, but it will fail every time. I promise you. Because if it's outside of union with Jesus, and if it's outside of your connection to the vine, you will grow cold. Who knows how long it'll take? I I don't know. But it will happen. And if you're in this place, it's recognizing and just admitting, I cannot help myself. I, I can't. And I make myself dependent, I make myself weak again, and I position myself to the Lord to fill me, sustain me, and not just fix me, but restore me through and through. Not just putting a Band-Aid on it, but getting to the heart of the matter. Why did I get cynical and why did I get hard-hearted in the first place? So plain and simple, you need to repent. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Second, you need to become childlike again and do the things that you did at first. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you to you, and will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I think that we need to become a childlike people again. And by, by becoming a childlike people again, I'm not saying that we become immature and we don't handle things responsibly and we don't handle things with care. I just think that we need to become way more aware of the one that is holding on to us rather than us holding on to him. I think that we need to remember testimonies and celebrate testimonies way more often. I think that praise and worship needs to move from just fast songs and slow songs to hearts that are adoring him and becoming low unto him. I think that we need to learn how to have fun with him again. That if your Christian life looks like following rules, you, like, man, we're lost. We are lost. There is no longer two trees in the garden. He hung on both of them, signifying life and death, and bore both of them, and rose into life, inviting you into life, not right and wrong. The Christian life is not a life of right and wrong. It's a life of spirit and truth. Nothing more quickly will take your childlikeness away from you than turning the gospel into a set of rules that you follow. Remembering the gospel brings you back to childlikeness. You did not earn it. You could not earn it. This gift of salvation was given to you. You did nothing for it. And you are not even the one keeping it. It is a gift that invites you, not just into the fact that I'm going into heaven, but I have heaven living in me now. I can experience it now. Eden has been, my goodness, Eden has been placed within my heart now. The Garden of Eden is in freaking here. (laughs) This is the joy of our salvation and you did nothing to get it. So if you did nothing to get it, you can do nothing to lose it. I'm sorry if that, I don't know how that fits in your theology, but we'll cover that at a time that's not now because I don't really want to try to go into that. I'm asking you to take this word from just what it is, of what, what is being offered right now. If you have questions, come talk to me afterwards. But there's nothing that you can do to upset it, have it be removed from you, or have it be thwarted from you, because it does not depend upon you. Half the issues with our salvation is we think way too many things depend on us. You know the only responsibility that you have is go weak at the knees and fall into the breeze of the Spirit and let him love you, and let him hold you. That will destroy every bit of self-effort, self-earning salvation that you could try to have, and you will find yourself weak and broken again, which is then where you will find him, and then you will find childlikeness. And then just, I I put this one in here simply just because this is what I have seen work for me. We need to laugh way more. I'm, and I'm just, I'm being honest in this. Cynical people and people that are just really skeptical. And I've seen this in myself. When I get cynical and when I get skeptical, I think of, I can't remember the last time that I laughed at something. Just, just, just a practical point. You need to get with friends that make you laugh. Honestly, you need to watch a movie that makes you laugh. Yes. I'm going to find the movie. I'm going to. That's the movie? I knew someone was up. <laughs> Were you, that, that was it, baby mama? That was... Now, I, now I, I knew that I was like, I know that I know this movie. But I mean, obviously I didn't, but like... <laughs> go Anyway, go YouTube the scene after this. It's like, it's Steve Martin literally at his best. He's hilarious. Honestly, and I just, I think that honestly, we just need to laugh more. And joy needs to be restored to your life and if 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 our christian life is boiled down to just being serious all the time and a lost person comes up to you no offense but it's like what about that do you think makes them want what the heck you have <laughs> i literally when i when i wasn't walking with jesus i used to look at people and say I don't really want to get saved because no offense, like you're just as miserable as I am, but at least I can, but at least I can go get high at the end of the day. Like, and and I meant it. I was being totally like, I was being serious. And it literally didn't, it literally didn't change for me until I recognized that in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you want to know what the word Eden actually means? The garden of Eden. It literally means pleasure. The garden of pleasure and you were created on the 7th day which is known as the day of rest so you were literally a being created in rest and pleasure and then released from that place to work adam go till the ground name the animals cuz work is still a part of the new covenant like i'm not i'm not saying that we're not going to do stuff i'm just saying we're going to do it from rest and we're going to do it from being in love because lovers will outwork workers any day of the week any any day of the week any day of the week I've seen that proven in my life over and over and over and over again. The hardest worker will never outwork a person that is in love and has a purpose attached to what they're doing. So maybe when you leave here tonight, you need to go watch a comedy movie or, or go have a phone call with a really good friend or do something that makes you laugh. Proverbs 17:22: "A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. In the words of a a man named Steve Backlund, a serious heart is a breeding ground for lies. When your heart is sick and hope is deferred from it, oftentimes we slowly enter into destruction because when hope is deferred from your life, whether it's through decisions that you've made or just whatever, just say you're dealing with, with hopeless things around you, hopeless situations, the last thing I want to do is any is any of these things. That's the last thing I want to do. If you're in a season, that's just like, hey, man, I, I get like what you're saying. I get what you're inviting us into, but um, like I, I just don't want to. I like I just don't. I'm like I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to, um, come back in the childlikeness. I don't want to laugh. Like I don't. I don't want to be around anyone then in that moment, I'll tell you this, sometimes it's just about showing up. Literally just show up. Put yourself in the atmosphere. Put yourself in the room. Because no matter how hard your heart is, like a flame to a candle, it will melt the wax every single time. You cannot help it. If you get close to the eternal fire who is King Jesus himself, spend enough time there and it will melt you. Or you will continue to get pushed further and further into your annoyance and your frustration, which then he'll even still come running to you even then. So either way, you're not, you're not outrunning him. <laughs> I think that was finally the time that I threw my hands up in the air and surrender when I realized I'm not outrunning you. The best thing I can do is stop being a runaway bride that's playing hard to get and just yield and surrender and lay myself down. Ministry to the Lord. Stand to your feet with me tonight as we get ready to close this out. Ministry to the Lord. Loving him well. Giving him what he deserves. Giving him all of our attention, all of our affection. And recognizing that when you come into a room and you say, just tell me what it is that you want. I'll give it to you. And he looks at you and says, I want you. And it's giving yourself to him. There's a quote that I've heard before, and I I love this. I think it's another A.W. Tozer quote. I think, when the eyes of the heart looking out meet the eyes of heaven looking in, there heaven has begun on the earth. There heaven has begun on the earth. It's about eye contact. It's about knowing him. So just do this with me right now. Let's Just bow your heads. And I know normally we we would close out with uh, with just with some music and and allow a, a zamar praise to just come over you to to still you and to to minister to your heart. But just in this in this silence, the Christian is a man and is a man and woman of quietness and stillness. I love that. I love that for so many reasons. And I just want you to think about this, that you're gonna leave here in just a couple of minutes. You're gonna get in your car and leave. Even maybe you have some stuff to do still tonight for your day tomorrow, or maybe this is the last thing that you're doing with your day. But when you leave here, you're going to leave here into seconds, minutes, and hours that are going to make up the rest of your evening. Seconds, minutes, and hours that are going to make up your Friday and then seconds, minutes, and hours that are going to make up your Saturday and Sunday all the way into next Thursday when hopefully you'll be back here. Seconds, minutes, and hours. And the one that holds those seconds, minutes, and hours is a man named Jesus. And in each of those seconds, minutes, and hours, Jesus has already walked, he has already been And there's already footprints through each and every episode and moment of each and every single second minute and hour of your day. When you get there, he's greeting you. When you get there, you're catching up to him. When you get there, you are finding him. So let him find you. Let him find you and hold your heart bare and open before him. If you're angry, hold it before him. If you're cynical, hold it before him. If you're in that place of, I'm in that place, I'm literally just showing up. Awesome. Continue. Just show up. Let truth teach your feelings and your emotions to work for you and not against you. If he says he's there, he's there. He, it, your heart will melt and he will break through. Trust me, you're not that strong and you're not that capable, but thank Holy Spirit, he is. And simply make a decision right now that as you leave here, he has you. He, he has you. If you are in a job that is constantly dealing with people, very high interaction with people. He's even there in that because the secret place is just the interior realm of your heart that he lives in. You don't have to go. I think that this is amazing and we should, but, but you don't have to go and lock up for multiple hours of the day if, if you can't because he has established himself within you. And and, and he lives in you. The secret place is within you. And you really don't ever have to leave. You can live from there all the time if you want. Eden is within you. The garden has been redeemed. And it has set up real estate in your heart. I feel like there's someone in here that just needs to hear that your heart is no longer deceitful and wicked because you've been given a new one that is soft, tender, and pliable with his laws written upon it, as Jeremiah says. He has taken away your mind and given you his mind. He has given you a will that is soft, tender, and willing to obey him. That's why it creates so much turmoil in you when you don't. Yield into the life that he has for you this evening. And when you leave here, the only thing that exists is him waiting for you in each and every single second minute and hour that's going to make up the rest of your week. So Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege to get to gather for you, about you, talk about you, learn about you, practice this presence, practice this covenant, practice this engagement. We're thankful that we're allowed to be able to gather in this this moment. Holy Spirit, help us, please. Please help us. Help us discover Jesus. Help us get out of our own way. Help us let go of ourselves so that we can actually find him. Over every single person here tonight that heard this word, I ask that as they leave here, the rest of their evening, the rest of their night, their morning when they wake up tomorrow, into their weekend, they would sense your very presence in each and every single moment of it. And even if it's just this gentle thing of like, oh yeah, like I almost, I, I almost missed it. Like there he is again, he's there. And it would just be this soft turning inward of attention and affection to the one that has set up residency in our hearts. And it would just be that easy. It would be that easy And if anything comes up that you want to deal with, correct, that we do need to repent from, it would be done quickly and easily. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We bless you and we honor your presence and we honor you as a person. And we ask that your heart would be satisfied continually tonight. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Search us and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, out of your gentle and lowly heart to deal with us accordingly. We entrust ourselves to your tender care. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.